Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. <laughs> Honestly, good to be here with you. And um, I, I'd ask that you turn to 1 Kings uh, chapter 19. This is where we're landing today. This is where we're going we're, we're gonna to sit today. Uh, as we, we start a series uh, called Forward, uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, verse 1 through 18. Uh, we'll get to that text here in a minute. Um, when I was a kid, I, don't, I honestly do not remember how old I was. I was probably 8, 9, or 10. I was a little guy. Uh, my dad and I and my brother, we would go to a fishing hole, uh, and they were called Spring Lakes. And, and I don't know why they, whoever named it Spring Lakes was just, I don't know. I don't know where their head was, but they weren't anything near lakes. They were ponds. I don't know why you would glorify ponds and call them lakes, but they were spring lakes. This was a great fishing hole for us because it was easy access. You had three different ponds, and they stocked the ponds every year. And uh, this one day, we arrived to the parking lot, and we started to uh, traverse the, the trail, and it eventually opened up, and you saw all three ponds. And then we came to a, a point where you couldn't access ponds if you didn't go through mud. We don't know why the mud was there, but it was there. And so my, my dad and my brother were, were traipsing through the mud as if it was nothing, but the mud actually was up to my knees. And I'm going through the mud trying to follow my dad's footsteps and as I'm following my dad's footsteps, the mud, when I lay my foot down, it becomes a vacuum, and, and I'm trying to pull my feet up, and my dad and my brother are getting further and further away from me, and I'm getting further and further into the mud. I don't know how many times I stumbled, how many times I fall, my tackle. I was covered, literally covered in mud, and I saw my dad and my brother. They got to the pond, and they're already casting <laughs> in their lines, and I'm stuck, literally immovable. I could not get out of the mud. I couldn't go anywhere. And I was immensely frustrated because all I wanted to do was fish. I wanted to catch fish. But I was frustrated. I was trying to follow my dad in his footsteps. But I was stuck. Whether you've been in faith with Jesus Christ for a long time or a short time somewhere along your faith in God following the Father in his footsteps because God God is God is a God of motion God is God of movement he's dynamic he's never static he's never apathetic he's never lethargic he's always moving there's probably been one time or another in your faith that you just felt stuck. You weren't able to move 
forward and follow. Whatever it may have been that made you stuck, you just ended up stagnant. Maybe that's you today, but I'm going to tell you, for all of us in the room and all of us listening online, welcome to those that listen to the podcast, you will come to a point in your faith where you get stagnant, where you get stuck, and you don't feel like you're able to move forward. Whether it's in your thinking, whether it's in your faith or your thinking or, or your forgiveness or unforgiveness, whether it's in finances, whether it's in debt, somewhere in your life and in your faith, you, you will get stuck trying to follow the Lord. For me personally, I call those wilderness moments, wilderness times. They're wilderness journeys. Today, and the series is all about moving forward. Moving forward in our faith, moving forward in life. Maybe you're here today and you have zero faith in God. And you just feel stuck where you are. I literally just was at the gym on Wednesday and I was talking with a guy that I'd never had a conversation with before and uh, he just started bearing his heart and he said my buddy I just found out word he was a marine four tours of duty his buddy had just committed suicide a month and a half before he lost his brother-in-law to the same those two men were convinced that they were stuck they couldn't move forward. Whether you have faith in God or not, we all get stuck sometimes. But this is about getting unstuck in whatever you're stuck in. Even heroes are still human, right? We're going to look at the story of a, a man who was a great hero of faith. He followed God. He was a prophet of God, but he got stuck. In fact, so stuck it was despair. It was the dark night of the soul. It was depression. So let's dive in to the story of Elijah. Actually, it's the story of God with Elijah. Because often what we do is we confuse the story of God with us to become the story of us with God. And when that happens, we become vulnerable and we can easily shatter into pieces. So let's start in 1 Kings chapter 19. If you're not familiar with the scriptures, it's in the Old Testament. Um, if you have a phone, it's probably easier to find it. 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're going to just start here in verse 1 through 2. Now Ahab, uh, King Ahab, told Jezebel, that would be his wife, everything Elijah, the prophet, the great prophet, had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Let's pause for a second. Keep your finger there because we're going to go right back there. But 
The scripture said, everything Elijah had done, what did he do? Well, what he did was all laid out in chapter 18. So for us to understand chapter 19, to understand Elijah's life circumstance, we must understand what happened in chapter 18. So here's the summarization. False prophets of Baal and Asherah have been leading the people of Israel astray from God, including the leadership of Israel, Ahab, and everyone else. And this brazen prophet of God, Elijah, was brash and bold and challenged the prophets of Baal and Asherah to a showdown at the top of Mount Carmel. And it was very simple. You guys build an altar to your gods, I'll build an altar to God. You go ahead and prepare the sacrifices, and then we'll call upon our God. And here's the measurement of victory. Whichever God rains down with fire and burns the sacrifice is the one true God. Everybody knew what was at stake. Elijah knew what was at stake. Even God knew what was at stake. Elijah's reputation, God's reputation, and Israel's future. And so the false prophets, almost a thousand prophets, go ahead and begin to choose. They choose their bull, they prepare the bull, they choose their wood, they build their altar. And beginning in the morning, they start to call and shout out to Baal, asking him, to rain down in fire, to consume the sacrifice. From morning till noon, they cry out and they shout. Then Elijah starts to throw some shade. I love it. This is great. He begins to mock and trash talk the God of Baal. What? Maybe he's deep in thought. Maybe he's pondering. Maybe he's sleeping and you got to awake him. And then he throws some serious shade when he says, maybe he's busy or traveling, a.k.a. maybe he's in private relieving himself and can't be bothered. Yeah, he's throwing some serious stuff down. So what do the prophets of Baal and Asherah do? They begin to shout louder and dance around the altar and they begin to self-mutilate, thinking that the flowing of blood will somehow arouse the sleeping, pondering, relieving God of Baal. This happens all the way to the evening until they concede. And so, Elijah, the bold, brazen, brash prophet that he is, calls everybody forward, calls them to him, so that they can watch what he does. And he rebuilds the altar to God using 12 stones, each stone symbol, uh, symbolizing each tribe of, of, of Israel, prepares his bull and lays it out. And then he does something very curious that most people wouldn't understand in the moment, but they soon will find out. He begins to tr dig a trench around the altar. And when he's done with this entire thing, he actually asks the people, tells the people, go grab a large 
large jars of water and pour it on the offering. And he does this not once, not twice, but three times to where the water is dripping over the offering and in the trenches. My wife and I have been watching this series called Alone, which is a survival series when you're out in the wilderness. We're on season two, and season one and two are in the Vancouver Islands, and it is a rainforest. And watching these episodes, you learn very quickly that it's very difficult to build a fire when all of your wood is wet and everything else is wet. Elijah raised the bar. He raised the bar. And then he prayed. And as Matthew shared ever so well from the book of Daniel, when you call upon God, he listens. He listens to you. Again, he's, he's a God of movement. He's not apathetic. He's not non-responsive. He does respond. And lo and behold, what happens? Well, the scriptures tell us that the prophet Elijah stepped forward. Notice that. He stepped forward and prayed. And then the fire of the Lord fell, literally consuming the animal, the wood, the stone, the soil, and the water. Awesome. This was a defining moment for Elijah. This was a victory of God. This was Elijah making sense of everything and saying, hey, you can't waver between two opinions. You either follow the Lord or you don't because the Lord is the one true God. And he answered with fire. Now, you would think, you would think Elijah coming off of this moment, he's riding high, man. This is the defining moment. And then we read verses 1 and 2, and we find out that Jezebel is more ticked off than Ahab about all the prophets being slaughtered. Those almost 1,000 prophets were slaughtered. Folks, We'll talk about this next week when we talk about forward thinking, but we have to slaughter the live, lies in our lives. We have to tear them down. And so we find Elijah being cursed by Jezebel and saying, if by this time tomorrow you are not dead like one of them, may the gods deal with me ever so severely. So let's continue to read the story of Elijah here in, in 1 Kings 19, verse 3. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, in other words, he went way south. He left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said, stuck folks he's stuck I've had enough take my life I'm no better than my ancestors then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep all at once an angel touched him and said get up and eat he looked around and there by his head 
was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then he lay down again. Maybe he was a teenager, I don't know. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him, and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. He definitely was Nazarene, I can tell you that, though. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And, when the, and the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Remember, God is a God of movement, right? He's always moving. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind was there, and after the wind there was an earthquake. The Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. Remember the last time Elijah saw fire. The Lord was not in the fire. And after after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. He repeats himself, doesn't he? Then the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Remember that. Go back the way you came. And go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nemishi, king over Israel. And very importantly, anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat. Cool name. From Abel, whatever that name is, to succeed you as prophet. Heavenly Father. May the story of Elijah resonate in our spirit and in our mind. But quite frankly, may the story of God invigorate us today. And wherever we're stuck, whatever we're stuck in and covered in, God, may we choose to begin to move forward and allow you to help us get unstuck and move where you're moving to. It's in your name, Jesus, we ask. Amen. The brazen, brash, bold prophet now was afraid and ran for his life. He was running in fear for his life. Despair, darkness, disappointment, 
loneliness, grief, whatever it may be, they have a tendency to move us in the direction that we're not supposed to move in. They lie to us and convince us that we're the only ones dealing with whatever it may be. And so Elijah, this bold, brash, brazen prophet, almost has an irrational fear. Now, I just want to address, if you have fear, that doesn't mean you're a coward. It doesn't. I think the world convinces us that fear makes us cowards, but the fact is fear does make us human. And again, heroes are still human, right? Elijah was susceptible to what we're all susceptible to as humans, our frailty, right? He was very susceptible to frailty, especially in victories and successes. When things are going well in our life, we are very susceptible to human frailty, to our ego, to staying in the glory of the past, We're very susceptible to sin. Elijah is the great prophet, but he's also very real and human. He is a follower of God. And in his running makes him no less a follower of God. But what is he really running from? It says he's running for his life. When if we remember what we just read and discussed, that he literally just had an amazing victory on the top of Mount Carmel. Darkness and despair, disappointment, the dark night of the soul, grief, loneliness. Again, they convince us that we're the only ones left, that we're the only ones dealing with what we're dealing with, And what we have a tendency to do is go where no one else is. Watch what he does in the scripture that's up on the screen, verse 3 and 5. He goes to Beersheba. Now, I I want you to understand that in this story, he's continually moving south. He's going south, kind of like Jonah. Down, 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 down. Running away, right? And when he gets to Beersheba, it's not Beersheba. You're not getting beer here. It's Beersheba. And when he gets to Beersheba, he leaves his servant behind. The one that has stuck by his side his entire life. His entire ministry, actually. He leaves him. And then he goes a day's journey into the desert where no one else will go. Well, no one else will be to the desert, mirroring what's going on inside of his mind and his heart. The desert is the place that he picks because it looks a lot like his heart and his mind at this point in his faith. It's a desolate, dark place. It's hot. It's arid. There's nothing for him. ran for his life but is he really running for his life or is he 
running away from his life. When you're running, one, you have to ask yourself what you're running from. And more often than not, what you're running from isn't really what you're running from. Elijah doesn't understand that at this moment. So he separates himself and he becomes alone. He comes to a broom tree. Broom tree is more like a shrub. He sits under it. It's shady. It's cooler than what's out in the sun. He sat down under it and he prayed. Now remember, 1 Kings 18, really good story. We summarized it. I would suggest you read it later on today or sometime this week. In that 1 Kings 18, he prays this bold prayer. Lord, come down with fire. That's the Ambrose version. I think it's pretty good. But here in the desert, for him, the tables have turned. The, 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 the switch has been flipped. And he prays, take my life. I've had enough, Lord. I've had enough, take my life. Now, I don't know about you, but I have prayed, I've had enough, Lord, in my own version before. I'm done. I'm over it. I can't do anything more with it. Have you ever prayed that prayer? I'm sure you have. Or maybe you've come to the point in your marriage where you've said, I can't do anything more, and he or she is not doing anything. I'm out. Lord, I've I've tried and I've tried, and I can't get past this addiction. That prayer is, I'm just going to let it happen. What's your, I've had enough Lord prayer have you had that if you haven't had that you will have that let me tell you you will have that in your life and he says take my life whoa wait a second wasn't he running for his life because Jezebel was going to take his life and now he's saying take my life well why run Folks, fear. He's afraid that Jezebel is going to take his life. Here's the issue with fear that we don't understand all too often. But the faith you're looking for is actually right through your fear. The faith you're looking for in your life is actually through your fear. And really, when it comes down to it, Elijah isn't running for his life. We've said it, he's already running from his life, and he's now running from God. Did you think, do you think Elijah expected God to answer this prayer? I think he did. Why would he not? 
all the other prayers, recorded prayers of Elijah in, in the book of Kings, pretty sure God answered them all. Why would he not answer this one? But all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. Now, I think that's worth a pause because Matthew just said it earlier. God listens and answers. I said it earlier. God listens and answers. We just talked about it. First Kings 18, God come down with fire and he answered. Mm, I don't think he answered this one. He didn't answer this. Do you think Elijah wasn't sincere? I guarantee you he was sincere. I'm pretty sure he prayed this wholeheartedly. I'm done. I'm out. Take it. God didn't answer it. He didn't answer it. Have you ever come to the point in your life where you really thought through all those prayers that you prayed? all those dreams, desires, relationships, the things, those hopes that you had at one point and you prayed them and you prayed them sincerely, you prayed them wholeheartedly and God didn't answer it. Have you ever been grateful for that? Have you ever been grateful for it? One of the ways to unstuck yourself and what you're stuck in to process all those things that you once just really, really wanted in your life. And you gave it to God and he didn't answer it. Gratitude for what God didn't do, it can bring a breakthrough in your life. As I was going through the sermon this morning, I was thinking, what are those things can remember two moments of the many just came to mind tried to get a job at Claremont County juvenile probation I'll never forget the question that the judge asked me he said this is the interview do you have a bank book and do you keep track of everything in your bank book <laughs> no <laughs> I just go to the ATM, punch in my numbers. It'll tell me how much I have, what I can spend, and what I can't spend. I left that interview, and about two weeks later, I got something in the mail that showed that I ran a red light on the way out of the interview. I'm pretty sure <laughs> the Lord was setting some things up because I really wanted that job. I really needed that job. I had a girlfriend in 2006 who isn't my wife today. I'm really glad that God didn't answer that prayer because I wouldn't have my wife that I have today in my life. Gratitude. Gratitude for what God didn't do might be a breakthrough to help you move forward in your life. So, some practicality. Very practical. Scripture's practical, folks. It's theological and it's very practical. Remember past hopes and write them down. 
take some time. Think them through. What are some of the past hopes in your life? Those dreams, those relationships, those things that you really, really desired? Write them down. Those things that God didn't answer. And then filter them through this. Filter them through this thought, this belief. God knew what was best for me. God knew. God, God knew that job at the Claremont County Juvenile Probation was not the best for me. God knew that that ex-girlfriend was not the best for me. And I guarantee you, had I taken that job, I would not have met my wife. And had I married the other girl, I would not have met my wife. Guaranteed. God knew it was best for me, even when I didn't. And then, actually out loud and sincerely thank God for what he didn't do. So, all at once, an angel touched him and awoke Elijah. Get up and eat. Notice what the angel didn't do. The angel, nor the Lord, chastised Elijah for his lack of leadership, scold him for his fear and running away, demean him, yell at him, curse him, damn him. No. In God's mercy, he said, get up and eat. And he provided food and water for Elijah. Elijah didn't know what Elijah needed and actually even if he knew what he needed he really probably wasn't able to provide what he needed in the time here's a lesson here with Elijah quite frankly he's he's a depressed prophet he literally is walking through a depressive period this is mental health month and this is suicide awareness month we need to understand that it's a real thing even if you have faith in Jesus Christ you can love the Lord your God and follow him with all your heart your mind, your soul and your strength and you can still deal, deal with anxiety depression you name it you can still deal with it got to remove that stigma we had a mental health whole month two years ago i would challenge you to go to spotify and listen to all four of those it's in the month of september 2019 wonderful wonderful series where we had a mental health counselor licensed professional counselor in here and interviewed them he's depressed he's struggling and what's he do he eats he sleeps and he he hydrates. And then what's he do? Goes back to sleep. I had a professor tell me one of the most spiritual things you can do is take a nap. See, what we have a tendency to do, we have a tendency to run ourselves ragged, break. That's where Elijah is break and withdraw 
Elijah's withdrawal is unhealthy because Elijah is isolated and alone. The Lord God actually insists and inserted, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Essentially what he's saying is, in the rhythm of your life, you must have rest. In the rhythm. Not when you're at your breaking point. Not, not when you get there. Actually put it in the rhythm so that you hopefully don't get to a breaking point. In fact, he requires more of our time than our tithe. It's about 14, 17% of our time that he requires. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. That Sunday, it's the day of rest. That's 24 hours. If you do the math, it's somewhere around 14 to 17%. It's definitely more than a tithe. The tithe is 10%. He requires more of our time than our tithe. And in that time, we're to rest. And what does that rest look like? What does that withdrawal, a healthy withdrawal looks like? That looks like community. Elijah's not in community. That looks like being with the church, not going to church, because church is a, isn't a building. It's, it's a people on a mission, on a movement. Be with the church. It's spiritual practices, scripture, prayer, fasting, meditation, journaling. It's worship. It's serving people of the body and people of the community. That is the rhythm of rest. That's healthy withdrawal. Folks, to move forward, sometimes we need to have healthy withdrawal. We need it. It is not void of community. It is not isolation. We got to emerge from that too because sometimes withdrawal becomes isolation and we become reclusive and we become cut off. Jesus had a rhythm in his life where he withdrew often to pray and connect with God, but he always emerged. You always emerge from that withdrawal. Folks, for us to move forward, sometimes we need to have healthy withdrawal. So, futures. Futures are actually created by the forward choices you make in the present. You know what Elijah did with the strength that the Lord had given him? By the food and the the water that he had, the hydration. It actually says, strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. He continued to move south and he went into Sinai and he went to that mountain that Moses was on many years before, that Moses met God, that Moses received the law, that Moses actually saw the backside glory of God. This seems like the right place. but he continues to run away in the strength that God has given him. Your future is made by the choices, the forward choices you make in the present. Folks, the future doesn't just happen. I mean, obviously it does because time continues, but your future doesn't just happen. It's created. 
Meaning, if you don't choose your future, you're merely existing. You're not really living. But your future is created by choices that you make in the present. Forward choices in the present. Here, Elijah tells us that also the future that God has for you can be very delayed by your choices that you make. Because one of the most dangerous things that we, places that we can be are the places where we're standing where we're not supposed to be. This looks like the right place. But notice what the Lord asks Elijah. What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah continues to run from God and from his life and from his future and ends up in a place where he's not supposed to be. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Stephen? What are you doing here? This is like the same question that he asks Adam and Eve right after they fell, right after they chose to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord of God, the Lord God walking in the cool of the day. He's a God of movement. He's dynamic. He's not static. He's walking in the cool of the day to hang out with Adam and Eve. And they're hiding among the trees that God created. They're hiding behind the leaves of the fig trees. And he says, where are you? It's not that God needed to understand where they were. He wanted them to understand where they were. And he's asking the same question. Where are you, Elijah? Why are you here? What are you doing here? But folks, I just want to tell you, even if you've delayed the future that God has for you, even if you're gripping the past and you're holding on to it, or there are those things in which happened to you in the past that are holding on to you, or whether you're just really afraid to step into whatever it is that you want to step into, God will meet you there. God will meet you there. Even though Elijah is in the place that he's not supposed to be, God is going to meet him here. And God will meet you there. We have this moment where the Lord says, go ahead and stand on the mountain. In the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by you. God is a God of movement. He's moving forward. And so, wind, earthquake, nada, not there. Fire, that's where he was last time. That's not where he is this time. Folks, we can't live in the glory of the past of the church. Can't live in the glory days of what God did 40 years ago. And you can't and I can't live in the glory days of what God did 10 years ago or when I got saved, when I met him for the first time. He's wanting to do a new thing. That's why they say we have a new song to sing to the Lord. And here comes God passing by. I really love the irony here. Elijah standing out. Probably, I don't know if it's where Moses was or not, but he's standing out there on the edge of the mountain and he pulls his cloak over his face, hiding himself from God and 
probably hiding himself from himself. Then the voice came and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? God met him where he was. God had a future for him. He has a future for you. What are you doing here? You're probably wondering, well, where's he supposed to be? I gotta take note that Elijah never asked God where he was supposed to be. He just ran. He just ran. No matter where you are, find yourself. God will meet you there. I want to encourage you there. But when he meets you there, don't expect to stay there. Don't expect to stay there. Don't expect to keep there. Love, although receiving of you where you are, does not allow you to stay where you are. We can't confuse that because the world is confusing that for the church and everyone else. It receives you, it accepts you where you are, but it does not leave you where you are. So the Lord said, go back the way you came. You know all that long, hard journey that you just walked? Yeah, go back the same way. And go a little bit further north because that's really where I wanted you. Because you got some things to do. There's a future that you got to take hold of. Anoint this person king, anoint this person king. And you know how you felt like you were all alone? Well, you didn't know that I had somebody prepared, ready to roll, to be by your side for the next several years. You're not the only one left. And don't forget, Elijah, Obadiah, this is chapter 18. Obadiah told you there are a hundred other prophets that he hid in a cave and saved their life. You're not the only one. Don't allow darkness and despair to deceive you. You're not the only one. This is why we need community. You're not the only one. We don't do this by ourselves. Go anoint that guy, Elisha. Anoint him. That's the future. That's what I wanted you to do when you ran for your life. But Elijah never asked. He just ran. So, folks, anytime. Any time is the right time to start moving forward. It's one choice, one decision, and one step at a time. Today is the right time. Now is the right time to start moving forward. Become grateful for what God didn't do in your life. Grab a hold of your future by the one choice that you need to make today. The one decision. There are things that you can do to begin to get unstuck from where you are. I didn't finish the story. 
the mud walkers to the pond. I'm stuck. I had nowhere else to go. My dad was up there. So what did I do? I cried for help. I just cried for my dad to come help me. I can't get out of this. You got to get me out of this. And he came over and he traipsed back through the mud and lifted me up out of the mud, leaving a shoe in the mud, grabbing my tackle, and he carried me out of the mud. He got me to where he was. Any time is the right time to start moving forward, but we have to ask for help. The Lord is willing. He'll meet you where you are, wherever that is. And so I'd ask that you please stand. Are you Are you there? Are you, are you stuck? Are you that little blonde toehead stuck in the mud? What is your mud? Do you mind just bowing your heads for just a second? Are you stuck? Simple question. If that's you, I'd ask that you raise your hand. Just, are you stuck? Raise it up, acknowledge it, embrace your stuckness. All right, are you stuck in your faith? You just ain't moving forward. You don't feel like you're where you are supposed to be. Okay, praise the Lord. Thank you for acknowledging that. Some of that stuckness could be by your choice. Others by the choices other people have inflicted on you. Lord, for those that raise their hand, I, I lift them to you. I ask that you meet them where they are, that they're able to see your presence and experience your presence. Even if they don't feel you, may they know you're there. If you raise your hand, this is a moment where you just need to cry out and say, God, help me here. Give me perspective. Give me insight. If today is a day that you're going to start moving forward, that you're going to create your future by the forward choices you were going to make, I'd ask that you raise your hand. Thank you, thank you. For those of you that just raised your hand, congratulations, you've now been challenged to write those forward choices down. Write them down. Begin to make them. Maybe you're in here and you just have no relationship with Jesus Christ whatsoever, and today is the day that you want to begin moving forward with the Lord your God and doing what he's doing. If that's you, I'd ask that you raise your hand. Praise God, man. Praise God. If that's you raising your hand, 
I'm going to ask that you pray along with me. There's nothing magical about the prayer. It's very simple, and it's not the end of the conversation. It's literally the beginning of the conversation. Pray along with me, Lord. I give you my life. I give you my life, Jesus. As you gave your life on the cross, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. I give it to you. It's yours, it's no longer mine. I am new in you. Help me start this journey with you, Jesus. It's in your name we ask. Father, I thank you. Thank you for everyone in this room, everybody listening online, for those that have raised their hand, have stepped in, for those that have not. Lord, you still have futures for all of us. You have things for us in mind. Lord, may we not delay that future, but may we step into it. May we create it by our forward choices. And Lord, Father, help us be grateful for those things in which you haven't done in our life, just as much as the things that you have done in our life. Praise you for that. Give you glory for that. And Lord God, I praise you for those that raise their hand and have received your spirit into their life for the first time and they're starting this life journey fresh and anew that they have now have eternal salvation. They have that gift of grace that you have given them and man, they're gonna experience your salvation this side of heaven for the rest of their life. I praise you for that. We give you glory for that. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Can we give God praise for those that receive Christ and those that are moving forward in Christ? I praise the Lord, man. Yeah. Yeah. Man, we love you. We really do. And we pray for you. We pray for your family. We pray for your kids. We pray for your neighbors. We pray for your friends and your co-workers. So today... Will you choose that forward choice of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength? And will you choose that forward choice of loving your neighbor as yourself? Hey, folks, be love people, loving people to Jesus. Have a wonderful Labor Day. I hope you don't pass out in labor. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Nas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.